Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Don't ever Google dick nipples. Welcome to Character Unlock. No, you've not accidentally clicked the wrong podcast today to listen to. Uh, me and a good buddy of mine have taken over the Foul Critics feed for a little while to talk about video games. I am hosting today for the first time in, as, wow, the year and a bit that I've been podcasting with Foul Critics. This will be my first time hosting. I'm Andrew Brooker, as I'm sure you, you recognize. And with me is a good buddy of mine, uh, one of my favourite people in the world, Mr. John Miller. Hello, uh, fantastic introduction, my friend. Uh, I don't think your word is enough to convince these people that I'm a good person. But you best fucking convince them good and quick <laughs> then, hadn't you? How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. Still somewhat tired from being at EGX this weekend. <laughs> but did you manage to keep away from the game of flu? I did, actually. I, I managed to keep away from having that ridiculous nerd flu. I don't know how I managed it this year compared to the last time I went round, but... That's not bad going. Every time I've gone near EGX or that one lonely game fest that game done that year, I've come back so fucking ill. So the fact that a couple of days later you're well enough to sit and talk to me here, I think you've done all right. Yeah, I'd say so, definitely. <laughs> so the idea here, so, you know, Foul Critics, obviously, all about films and and new releases and things like that so we thought we'd take it a slightly different direction and you know every couple of weeks we're going to sit and talk about some video games it might be new stuff if there's something new out or something we fancy playing or you know if there's not there's plenty of things you can talk about we want to steal the failed critics agenda for most times so, you know we can do things like triple bills we can do specials I really like the idea of if there's one around at the time talking about a film that's based on a video game that kind of shit i think would work really well for us we are a, a we are fluid at the moment i think so obviously it's the first episode anybody that wants to throw ideas at us will happily listen to i think i think more than anything else i think it's just a, a, a really cool opportunity for for you and me mate to to just sit and chat bollocks for a couple of hours and maybe you know if we're really lucky convince some really cool people in the gaming world to talk to us yeah hopefully you haven't set us up with a, a nice uh you know extravagant first episode that then we can never quite live up to i think we'll be okay yeah i mean if we stick with the foul critics thing we don't want to do a bit of news there is no fucking news yeah that's true <laughs> we're, we're, we're at the end of september we're a couple of weeks away from silly season at which point all news will be this game's released now and this game's released and call of duty's broken the sales again just because they're throwing in uh you know the old one with it oh it's it's a contentious one, though, isn't it? I'm, I don't generally, I don't want to buy Call of Duty anymore. I came close to ordering eighty quid's worth of game just so I could play it again. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, getting those achievements for uh, Mile High again when it's. 
probably slightly better resolution with that. <laughs> you can, but try. So we'll skip the news because there's fuck all to talk about. So we'll go straight in and I'm going to throw you right in at the deep end, my friend, because we're going to talk about the Eurogamer Expo for this year, yeah. which sadly I uh, couldn't get to. Well, that's your own fault, well, mostly. It is pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to say you're a bastard for throwing me in at the deep end. And uh, second up, I'm going to be honest, I was quite disappointed while I was at EGX. It's not like it's my first time being there. I, I was at the last show at Earl's Court, and it was a pretty decent experience. And I thought, you know what, NEC, it's about eight times the size. Uh, it's going to be filled with a lot more stuff, and it's going to be better. How wrong I was. Um, there was a lot of stuff, and the res section, the guys there were pretty awesome. The res, the, res with... is the uh, indie game section, isn't it? Yeah, the indie game stuff. Yeah. The the guys there were really awesome. I, I walked in, I went straight to one of their stands, uh, played one of their games. It's uh, by some of the guys who made some of the original Micro Machine stuff. They're putting on another top-down racing game, and it's really well-built. It's fantastically stable, and I got a free T-shirt out of it. So I promised the guys at Mantis Burn Racing that I'd give them a little plug, Swag. obviously. Free, yeah. free shirt. We, we always love some free shirt. <laughs> What's it called? Mantis Burn Racing. Mantis Burn Racing. It's out on Steam at the moment. It's going to go to PS4 and Xbox Live Arcade, if it's still called that. Vufu Studios is making it. Yeah. Oh, okay, see, Vufu, they're a good bunch. They make all the stupid, you know, pool games and shit that end up on all the consoles. I, yep. I will buy anything those guys make. <laughs> I might actually buy it three times just so they can have that extra bit of money from me owning it on three different consoles. Well, PC and two consoles. Well, yeah. Although I don't have a PlayStation yet. This does look like high-def micro-machines from back in the day. Playing it, it just brought up my seven-year-old self. I, it was the most fun I've had in a long time, playing a video game that was, well, not much more to it than a top-down racing game. No offence to the guys, I know that sounds quite bad, but you know, a top-down racing game is sometimes all you need. Yeah, well, I mean, top-down racing game doesn't necessarily mean good game. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of... Uh, did you ever play Motorstorm RC? Uh, I did. Uh, on the Vita, I played it. Yeah, so yeah, on the Vita, it was only okay. And then when they finally ported it to PS4, it was just a bag of poo. Didn't like it at all. So, you know, if it comes out and, you know, this game looks... And it looks great. So if it looks like that when it comes out, yeah, for sure, man. I'll definitely be picking that one up. Oh, yeah. I'd say it'd be like the new Rocket League, but I don't think anything would ever, you know, come back with that, really. Well, uh, Rocket League is a, it's just a monster, isn't it? It's a whole own kettle of fish. It's well, you've got the people playing it for the basketball. They've got it for the ice hockey version, the just the standard playing the football. And people on PC that I saw at EGX because there was a Rocket League stand there for the uh, the drinks company that was uh, sponsoring EGX. They had a massive arena filled with it, and some of the stuff they were pulling off on there. And these are people who are like you know 15 to it, well in their 40s playing Rocket League on PC and I'm just staring at it in complete awe. Does it make you feel like you've wasted your life going to work instead of learning <laughs> how to be good at games like this? Well, I suppose there's the other side of it, which is that even if I did spend all of my time playing games like I wish I could, I don't think I could ever reach their kind of ability on any single game because I just, I like too many different <laughs> games. Yeah, I... Long gone are the days where I can, you know, I only play one game. I mean, we're talking probably Battlefield 3, probably the last time I spent those kind of hours, or maybe Killzone Shadowfall. Yeah. It took me about 100 hours of multiplayer. 
But that's my max of the last maybe five years. I ain't got time and just can't be asked. I want to play other things. I wish I could have your you know, repertoire of games that I wish I could say was my longest running game. Unfortunately for me, it's Destiny, which to its own fault, it's really hooked me in with its uh, social aspect, which, well, anyone who's played Destiny with me would know that I spend more time just messing about than actually doing the objectives half the time now. I, I kind of go back to you and me playing Dead Rising 3. <laughs> Yeah, which the, you know, the, for me, it's you know, it's a legendary story, and you know, obviously, you know, for people that that don't know, Dead Rising Three is a, a, a co-op third-person zombie apocalypse game. There is one hundred percent humor element. There's there's nothing else to it other than having fun, really. Well, that's it. It's one hundred percent just dicking around, and that's what we did, wasn't it? Quite literally dicking around. We were achievement chasing, weren't we? We were supposed to be there for about fifteen minutes to grab this one fucking oh. achievement. Yeah, getting the, the, the finish the game yeah. on the hardest difficulty achievement. And we just spent an hour and a half just firing dildos around the, the place. And the, the glove gun. Yep. <laughs> just fuck's sake. So, yeah. I mean, when you, you know, dicking around in games, it's the best bit of games, especially if you've, you know, if you get the chance to. I mean, I, I didn't really get into Destiny, so I, I don't know if you're really supposed to dick around playing Destiny. If you weren't supposed to dick around, they wouldn't have added all those extra emotions like being able to do the thriller dance whenever you want. Or even better, you could do the Carlton dance. Oh, God. Uh, and I think they later added on the uh, Apache dance. Sold. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can get that one anymore, though. They, that was a limited time. You had to microtransaction it using uh, Destiny Silver. Oh, wow. Another one of their currencies. Nah, in-game fun bucks, not my thing. Anyways, moving on. So, EGX, you done top-down racing. What, anything else? Anything good? Another kind of top-down racing game. Uh, another, I'd say, indie developer. They've got uh, they've partnered with Sega for publishing the guys that play motorsport for Motorsport Manager, which is essentially Football Manager, but with racing cars. Okay. There's a mobile phone version of it. I thoroughly recommend playing it. If you've got any interest in motorsport, it's really fun i've managed to clock about 40 to 50 seasons playing it um yeah i'm that kind of sad person who's managed to spend that much time playing a game on their phone (laughs) but they've got a pc game coming out which is absolutely outstanding because it's everything that i love out of the mobile game superior graphics they've got they've kept the humor out of it so there's all the different sponsors with really interesting and amusing names. Uh, they've they've basically just stolen from the real world tracks, and they just said, "Look, here's a load of tracks." Uh, they've got approximate designs, roughly, to what the real world tracks are, and they've got interesting locations, but they're not quite the same. And it's just a whole lot of fun to play if you've got an interest in motorsport. Fair enough. So yes, yeah, so we've had so top, top, down, top racer. down racer and motorsport manager. Did yeah. you play anything that wasn't uh, a racing game? Amusingly, yes, I did. I played the new FIFA game, which is also out today for recording in America, okay. but out later on this week for us people who actually play football, <laughs> which just seems a bit ridiculous in my opinion. I'd say it's more of the same because, well, it is, but there's a new interesting mode called The Journey, which is essentially the Mass Effect version of FIFA, where you get to make choices on what it is that you say to random people who are asking you questions and you get to choose an option which is either balanced, fiery or cool. Apparently choosing fiery is the renegade option because it's red. Cool is the paragon option as it's blue. 
and it might actually make a difference in the the way that the game plays for you when you play as this character. Okay. I can't say I've noticed really, or I even see what the difference between the two responses are half the time. Have you played any of it? You know. Yeah, EA Access kind of helps with that one. Yes, I'm that sad person who also has EA Access. I don't know. I have EA Access. I just don't play FIFA with it. I have EA Access for pretty much playing FIFA, Battlefield, when that comes around, and Madden. That's it. You see, now you're talking my language. Because <laughs> nothing beats football like real football. This is true. Oh, Owen's going to kill me. <laughs> Actually, Owen and Steve and Paul are all going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you... It's entirely your fault. Yeah. You, you let you let the only other person who likes American football as much as you <laughs> onto a podcast with you to mock soccer fans. Yeah, that's ah, all right. They can take it. I'm sure they can. Yeah. Um, Over that, I just same. cut this bit out. Yeah, that that <laughs> that can work. Obviously, I went to the over eighteen section, which is uh, not the porn section. I was sad to. To find out. You mean there's no uh, like, hentai video games uh, running around slapping people with just big anime dicks? No, sadly, Dead Rising 4 wasn't available. Oh. And also, they've no, they, they, I don't think they really thought that bringing Catherine back would have been all it's cracked <laughs> up to be. Uh, no, I got to play uh, Titanfall 2, which again is more of the same, but uh, featuring some new Titans, which one has a sword, which is a little overpowered. The other one likes to play with fire. Okay. So it's like adding X Men into it for for some reason. Fair enough. How did it how did it look and feel? Because obviously the uh, the original Titanfall. I want to say it was the Source engine. Uh, you'd have to Google that one because I couldn't tell you. Um, uh, no, it's probably using Frostbite. It's an EA title. The original. Yeah, I'd imagine it's using Frostbite. Uh, EA don't release things unless they use Frostbite. These no, days. this is true. But Titanfall was just kind of on that on the cusp of that, wasn't it? It depends, it depends if they were using EA to publish right from the start or if when they were originally making it, it was uh, just the guys doing it for the sake of it. No, there is the source, it was the Source engine. Yeah. Interesting, because it didn't look like the Source engine. It actually looked like the old Call of Duty id Tech one. Yeah, uh, I suppose they weren't allowed to use the uh, id Tech no, one. No, almost certainly not. <laughs> yeah. How did it look? How did it play? It played smooth. It was better than the first one, which I know seems a bit strange considering it's essentially the exact same game, only newer. Yeah. But it's it feels more refined. There's a bit it's not using the source engine well, no, it is using the source engine Titanfall two, but it's it doesn't feel like you're playing with a source engine. There's a lot less frame popping, a lot less wall clipping. Yeah. And which is quite important when a large portion of the game is spent running along walls. <laughs> yeah, it does it does tend to help if you're not falling through them as you run. And the new mechanic, which is a grapple for some of the classes, which means that you can ping yourself across and grab hold of a wall to run along rather than having to run to it. It helps you get around the map. If you spot an enemy, you can grapple them and bring yourself or them closer to you and get an instant kill, depending on the circumstances, which Ooh, I never managed to get to work because at no point is anyone that bad as me <laughs> that they get kicked out of their Titan at the same time I do. <laughs> That does sound like something that would infuriate me. It sounds like something you'd get an achievement for, yeah. or there'd be a challenge for. Like, I uh, I know how the first Titanfall loved its challenges that were a bit ridiculous and impossible, like getting a kill with the uh, charged laser beam on a pilot who's just ejected, <laughs> which is just unbelievably difficult to do in the first place. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, to get to one of the higher ranks, I'm pretty sure you had to do it about ten times. Yeah, see, at that point, I just give up. I, I I either go, fuck it, I'll stick at the rank I'm at, or more likely, I go, fuck it, 
I'm going to play something else. Yeah, <laughs> and playing something else is a good way to lead to me moving on to playing something completely different to Titanfall, which was Call of Duty uh, Advanced Warfare, or Infinite Warfare. Advanced it? Warfare? Infinite Warfare. Advanced Warfare, they, they've already had one like that, really? Surely? <laughs> something about Advanced. Yeah, we had, a, we had Advanced Warfare two years ago. Ah, uh, you see, now, they, now they're just making names up. <laughs> so how was it? This, I, I know I joked earlier on about it, but I, I kind of... It looks like it could be fun, and I kind of fancy it. After Black Ops 3 last year, I kind of want something to wash the nasty taste of it out of my mouth. But at the same time, I'm not sure I want to spend money after spending money on Black Ops 3, which was just guff. It's a difficult one, because I only played the multiplayer element to it, and it was me and a couple of people who were in the queue at the same time as me. We got to play Infinite Warfare, and it was a game of domination, which my team lost, sadly, both rounds, because you got to play two rounds of it. Okay. Because I was still learning the controls, because they've changed them somehow. You do so the there's... thing that everybody else does at EGX, where the gates open, and you run as fast as you can to the Call of Duty queue. Bollocks to that. No, I didn't. <laughs> Good man. I just went straight to the Call of Duty stand, where I ended up waiting for about 40 minutes. Got into the queue played two games of uh, Infinite Warfare that I lost at, <laughs> and then moved on to playing Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4. Okay. And my team uh, played, and we absolutely battered the other team. Nice. And I'm just going to throw this one out there, is that because 4 is that much different to play than uh, Infinite Warfare, Yeah. in terms of, well, Infinite Warfare has all these extra new mechanics and new weapons, you can't beat a dude running around with uh, an M4 or a P90 with a silencer on it. It's just impossible to beat that. See, five years so. ago, can you imagine you and me having a conversation about how fun old-school Call of Duty Modern Warfare is? You know what? Five years ago, if we'd had a conversation involving Call of Duty, we'd have just laughed and said, let's put Battlefield on. Yeah, this is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, Modern Warfare Remastered look good? Play good? It played smooth. It was like playing the original again with improved graphics i don't really think you could do that wrong it's essentially people have been doing it for god knows how long because i, I don't know man i mean activision especially did you fucking get your hands on that prototype re-release they done <laughs> i know this is something completely different this isn't activision releasing a game this is the fact that call of duty 4 is still being played by a ridiculous amount by people on PC, yeah. and there are absolutely going to be mods out there that improve graphics. There's all, there's probably all kinds of shit that they've got available to them. Call of Duty 4 is still the staple when it comes to the first-person shooter oh, on console. Continue with the over-18 stuff, Battlefield 1, which is due out later this year or early next year. I, I don't know. I don't really keep tabs with the Battlefield games anymore since they kind of ruined them by uh, releasing Battlefield 4 that was only half made at the time, but it's still probably the most popular one. Yeah. I guess it helps that it, it branched both generations of the consoles and it was more or less just more of Battlefield 3 to start with and then moved on from that and people then moved on to playing Hardline which I quite enjoyed the story for the multiplayer was very much lacking yeah I'll agree with that but the cops and robbers aspect was pretty cool everyone went back to playing Battlefield 4 yep they then moved on to playing Star Wars Battlefront which again was very quickly dropped for people to play Battlefield 4 again <laughs> Battlefield Battlefield 1 Battlefield 1, yeah. it was playing a map that uh, I've not seen as at all. It's in uh, northern France, 
it's a battleground, obviously, from World War One, and it was for Conquest game mode, and it featured the I want to say the Behemoth, but I'm pretty sure I'm wrong in saying that's what the name of the vehicle is. The giant airship Zeppelin thing. Okay. Which comes into the map to aid the losing team, a bit like what the uh, the gunship did in Battlefield Three for those those exceptionally large maps. Yes. Yeah. Except instead of capturing a point and you get access to it, it comes in around about halfway through the game, and the team that's losing gets to use it as a spawn point, as uh, someone can pilot it to move it around the map. Okay. There are guns on it, and there's all kinds of crap that's amazing for it, and the other team needs to kind of focus uh, fire on shooting it down, because as a mobile spawn point that's fucking huge, that's a defendable moving fortress, essentially, yeah. you kind of don't want to have that you know, shooting at you. Sounds a bit overpowered. It, I'd say it was, but I don't think the, the team I was up against utilised it properly because a lot of them just ignored the fact that it was there. A lot of people on my team ignored the fact that it was there, that it was just hovering overhead. There was a couple of fighter jets shooting at it. I got into one of the AA guns, started firing at it, and then was very quickly killed by a dude rolling around in one of the tanks on the ground because I was standing next to a capture point. (laughs) As if he was ignoring the fact that he had the ability to do stuff and was just running around like a madman in a fucking tank. (laughs) So all in all, it was quite different to the pre-alpha test that was pushed out a couple of weeks back. Worth a a rental? Worth a buy when it comes out? Because I think it's out. November. For any of the people who have EA access, absolutely give it a go. I imagine that you'd get a fair amount of playtime out of the six-hour trial you get given. But it's difficult one to judge because it's missing the key element, which is Battlefield 4's pick-up-and-play aspect. Yeah. I've seen enough people running around using World War One machine guns and then getting ripped apart by people firing single shot rifles yeah. because the single shot rifles use a much larger round yeah. and the single shot rifle kills in the two shots whereas you need to fire like a, a clip and a half of you know 9mm machine gun ammo oh okay. because you're going to miss with every third bullet Yeah. well you well you're only hit with every fifth bullet anyway <laughs> the recoil is ridiculous because it's an old timey I am I'm curious mainly because they, they've done the thing that everybody asked for and they went back in time and they done a what you know because everyone screamed for a World War One or World War Two game. I'm not sure I'd buy it day one, mainly because Battlefield famously isn't very good day one. Yeah, you used to have to wait like two or three weeks for yeah. them to realise that there are, there are bugs in it and they need to do an on the fly update, which takes Battlefield offline for about seven hours. Yeah, but you know, other side of Christmas, an EA online sale or something, I can pick it up cheap. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe because you know until probably. then they've just uh, they've just put. World at War onto backwards compatibility, so I'll stick with that yeah. one for now, I think. World at War could be quite good. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the last Call of Duty game that I bought, rather than rented. Sadly, I buy all of them, because I'm a bastard. No, that's a lie, I got Call of Duty Ghosts, but that's because it came with my Xbox. See, that that I bought and finished and got rid of in the space of, I think, about 16 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the story wasn't long, and it was very everywhere. Yeah kind of didn't really roll at all in any kind of way. It was just, here, you're shooting these guys in this location, and now we're going to go to this location and shoot these guys over here. Yeah, pretty much. It was pretty gash. Oh, well. So, uh, beyond Battlefield, the other games that I uh, 
remember seeing and playing were the typical. There was the new games coming out soon, the next year rather, Sniper Elite, again another shooter, which had a ridiculous queue and I don't think the, the guys looking after it were paying too much attention because one of them openly said that when the game first opened up at EGX, people were going in, giving it a quick play or run around and then buggering off to play Call of Duty or something. Yeah. And then towards the end of the the thing, it was more of a people going in, and then they were doing a mission. It takes about an hour. Fucking hell! And the queue was just getting longer and longer and longer. And I ended up standing in it for about forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah. And it was I hadn't moved forward in about maybe half an hour at that point. Jesus. And I was just thinking, this is this is just isn't going to be worth it. And eventually, when I got to the front and played it, uh, I enjoyed it. It, it reminded me of the third one, which was the first one I ever played of the Sniper Elite games. Yeah. Which is probably more my fault than anything else. I probably should have picked up the first two. Three, uh, no, you don't need to play one. One is absolute shit. <laughs> uh, but V2 was a lot of fun. I enjoyed V2 a lot. And three, actually, I bought it on a whim on the Xbox sale for like eight quid. And I actually really liked it. I don't think I ever finished it. Just because it was one of those games I, I was sneaking around and I'd waste fucking hours doing the Hitman Deus Ex thing where I don't want anybody to see me. So I never, I don't think I ever finished it. But no, it was really good. I enjoyed number three a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed three. I certainly enjoyed trying to play it as pacifist as possible, going through and only killing the, the one target. That certainly made the game a lot harder, especially when you got to the points where it was, this is there's an alarm going off. Uh, you don't get a choice in the matter yeah. type situation. Of course. Well, it's not one of those games. It isn't a game like Deus Ex where you can sneak through and not kill anybody. You know, the point of it is you're there to kill people. Yeah, you are there to, to kill at least one target and playing it, it certainly feels like you can go through as much as possible without shooting anyone. But there are points when you do have to start firing, but... It's convenient enough that you can set traps up and wait for different effects to happen around the area. Uh, you know, tanks firing rounds, you just need to make sure you fire your shot in time. Yeah. And no one knows what's going on. You know, more of the same of what the third one was. Yeah, which, which is pretty much more of what the second one was. Yeah, which is essentially what people are buying the game for. You don't, you're not buying that game to, you know, win awards for the, 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 the writing of the story. It's just a good, solid game where you can shoot people in the testicles. Absolutely. Like all games should be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another good game that I managed to get hold of playing, WWE 2K. 17, which is the yearly iteration of the wrestling franchise, which is definitely going to pick up a lot more sales, just because the narrative of WWE itself is improving dramatically okay. the last couple of months. <laughs> and yeah, it's a very, very fun game. Good. It's one of them. I always pick them up and play them for a bit every year. Usually I rent them, play them. I get halfway through whatever career mode happens to be in it that year and then give up, go, I'm, I'm bored now. But no, they're always, you know, they're always a bit of fun. Is it, you know, is it an improvement on last year's one, like, looks-wise or, or gameplay-wise? Is it just, is it, again, is it more of the same? I can't say it's more of the same. I mean, the controls are identical, but it's difficult to, to add to the control system when you've got a game that features people doing specific things in the ring. You oh, yeah, can't, cool. it, instead of going the, the method of, you need to learn about 500 different button combinations to do like a punch for Street Fighter. Yeah. You have access to a button and then a thumbstick in a direction or a thumbstick in a direction followed by something else and 
holding the button down to do different moves. You, you only have so many moves to do. It's wrestling. You get 20 minutes of one guy getting beaten up. He then does three shoulder tackles, yeah. a five-knuckle shuffle, and wins the match. Yeah. Hasn't changed much since the, uh, the, the SmackDown versus Raw days. But they've added in a new career to it, which I'm guessing matches the... The new brand extension from that, and it also features a backstage, and you can wander around the backstage beating people up. Oh, they, which, they brought backstage uh, attacks back. I quite like that. They brought they brought back backstage attacks from like the uh, SmackDown Two Know Your Role days. Yeah, man. Which which was probably the best game ever. Uh, for that I I think bring bring <laughs> it bring the pain. Yeah, uh, bring the pain uh, in the day. Yeah, bring the pain. The Brock Lesnar one. Yeah, back when he wasn't a massive douchebag. I mean, he was always a massive uh, douchebag. Okay, back back when they before they realised he was a massive douchebag, <laughs> yeah. and he wasn't the kind of person you want to build a company around. True. Moving on, developer sessions at EGX. I went to two of them because a lot of the other ones that were available to me were just. I either was stuck in a queue waiting to play a game, or they just didn't interest me at all. So I set reminders up on my phone because of the EGX app allowed that this year. Okay. I got to see uh, the making of Forza Horizon 3, which I'm pretty sure is still available on the EGX website to watch. Yeah, they, live streamed. they Twitch streamed a lot of their, their sessions. I, I did try to watch a yeah. couple of them. Yeah, the Forza Horizon 3 one was outstanding because he got to, to show off more than just the typical... I'm at E3 or I'm at Gamescom. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, do the typical, this is the media. I'm going to sell the game to the media Yeah. to, you know, give me good reviews of what it is that I'm doing. Uh, this is, I'm talking to gamers. I can show them that we just spent four months in Australia doing reconnaissance of areas. We took terabytes upon terabytes of video in 4K yeah. filming the sky as it <laughs> as it went through. And you know what? The game looks a lot better because of it, and you can look on any Xbox forum or anything for it. People are noticing the sky because it's not the generic rendered shit that is in every other game when you look up at the clouds and it's just a couple of things moving around. Okay. You know, basic weather. This is actual real life. This is what the weather looks like in Australia. Nice. You know, you've got 4K re-rendered video of what's going on above you, the clouds moving across, storms rolling in, and it just looks stunning. If I had a 4K TV, <laughs> I would love to, to see the, the video that they were putting out because there's no way I could afford to go to Australia to see it in person. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? I, I think, because we, we did, we, we put out questions uh, just before we started recording, and someone has brought up things like 4K gaming and things, so we'll definitely... We'll definitely touch on that a bit later, but yeah, the uh, the sad thing is, unless you can get decent 4K streaming as well, you know, so you need 4K streaming into a 4K device into a 4K TV, that's a fucking expensive setup, man. At that point, it'd be cheaper to fly to Australia. Uh, well, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll talk on that a bit later, but I still think that 4K isn't actually that expensive. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on where you're getting your stream from, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, Cool, so you know Forza Horizon 3? Uh, any what other dev dev session did you do? I took in the one for Hitman, the episodic one, which I know seems a bit weird because the game's been out for you know nine months now. Yeah, they were showing off. Was it episode five? They're showing off. 
yeah, Colorado. Uh, Colorado, yeah, which he was very cagey about because he didn't want to go into much about what's going on. Yeah, I, but they I also, have read they, that Colorado kind of covers a lot of extra story stuff that's been missing from the last couple of episodes. So yeah, I can imagine uh, that being quite tough to talk about. So they showed off the area. It looks very similar to, you know, in Absolution, the cornfields where you take out the nuns. Oh, yeah. The barn at the end of that, it looks very... It's like they, they, they've definitely looked at it and gone, we need to draw from this because it was a very good area. and it was, I'd say it was probably my most favourite of the areas because when it came down to it, when doing the contracts mode, which the story, the, the episodic story, seems to be more of the same. Yeah. The, the elusive targets seem to be more contracts and looks very cool, but the Colorado area does look very similar to that cornfield barn setup. Nice. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm, I'm saying that's probably up there, favourite of the missions, I'd say maybe two or three. I am looking forward to playing Colorado. So I, I, have you played Hitman? I haven't. I was, I've was. i been waiting for the disc variant to come out, which is a, I guess is a problem because it means I'm missing out on all the elusive targets it, because after learning about the twin one, I'm, I'm very gutted about the that. Oh, the fucking... T- I failed the twin one. Didn't everyone? I, let's be honest. I'm pretty sure. I, I tried, I think maybe half of the elusive targets I've... I've had time to try and play when they've been active. And of that half, I think I've succeeded in maybe half. I, do, I suck so hard at that game when I'm under that kind of stress. I'm quite looking forward to Colorado. It does look good. And I'm looking forward to a bit of story because it has been sadly lacking the last couple of episodes. Uh, but all in all, actually, there are a couple of games that are in contention for it. But so far, Hitman is easily my game of the year. It is amazing. I really, really enjoy it. And it's got that replayability thing where you bang through an episode and you've done a really good job, but fuck me, you could do better, so I'm going back and doing it again. I suppose that's definitely what Absolution was for me. It was, uh, I finished the story, I, you know what, I could probably do that and clear all these missions and those bloody challenges as well. (laughs) Yeah, the challenges are back in the new one. Yeah, going into a game where you've got a target to kill and from that it's then they give you all these extra challenges it's like even the the hitman sniper challenges on the arcade if you pre-ordered absolution yep the number of challenges on that and i completed the sniper challenge and i don't feel like i actually got any bonus for actually completing it apart from the fact that i completed it No, I yeah. uh, I quite enjoyed the sniper challenge. Actually, that was fun. I wanted more of that with the new one, but it won't go into a sale like ever. Not until it's f- at least season one is finished. But I do, I highly recommend it. When the season one disc goes live, I will definitely pick it up because I love the Hitman games. I've been a big fan of them since Hitman Two, and I thoroughly admit that Blood Money is probably still my favourite. Yeah, I really like Blood Money. I am a bit of a heathen, and I I really enjoyed Absolution. I hated that it was corridored, and it felt certainly felt corridored towards the end. But I actually, I really enjoyed playing Absolution, and really enjoyed chasing platinum trophy for it as well. I had no issue with Absolution, and this one I'm really enjoying. This one feels like old school Hitman. I think you'll, I think you'll really dig it. Yeah, but missing out on the elusive targets, I guess, because they're timed. If I'd known about that, I would have picked it up day one, and I'd have followed it. Yeah, you know, with, I would guess that probably because I have said that there's probably going to be another season for the game so i would guess once they actually stop supporting it and move on to whatever they're doing next i reckon they patch it so that they become a permanent feature and basically just become extra contracts yeah i suppose they will revisit the elusive targets i mean they'll probably keep them elusive in the way that you get one shot did not miss your chance yeah wow quoting eminem 
I'm keeping it. I'm going to make that the stinger as well. That's going to be like the front of the podcast. You son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it? You just done those two dev sessions? It was just those two dev sessions. I was tempted to go back for another one, but there wasn't any really beyond that that was worth going to see, really. I mean... There was another. There was a cool one that was uh, by the guys who uh, there's like four dudes and they made they've made an MMO together. There was a, there was that dev session which was just before the Forza one, but okay. I couldn't get into that one and then back out and into the queue for the Forza one. Yeah, so I had to make the choice and I chose the Forza one. And well, I'm not I'm not going to say I'm going to re- I'm regretting it because I probably wouldn't play the four man MMO. No, we spoke about it earlier. Uh, so I. I spent a little bit of time talking to a guy, uh, a former games journalist called Kevin Van Ord, who basically, like, he lived the life I wanted to live. You know, the dude went from being a, a commenter on the GameSpot forums to their review editor-in-chief, which is just fucking awesome to me. But he gave up and went and started, he went, he's chasing a career in, in writing for and designing video games. RPGs mostly, I think, so I think that's where he's, his, uh, his love really lies, so... Like I said earlier, it was a long interview, but I, I've cut it down a little bit. So just the best bits, I think, or the most interesting bits are, are here. So have a listen. I hope hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoy talking to him. Am I right in thinking Original Sin 2 was... Was it kickstarted? It was kickstarted. So was Original Sin 1, for that matter. Oh, okay. Uh, so Original Sin 2 was, was you know, kickstarted. Um, which has been a great thing for, for Larry. And I think that they, they do it right. And I say this not just as a person who works there now, but as a person who was, was a fan of the studio be, you know, before working there, I think that they do Kickstarter, right. You know, I think that, um, you know, they work within their means, which I think is really great. Um, and early access helps. I, I, I think, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, and this is a fair point, you know, some people don't want to play the game until it's finished. And that is fantastic. Um, but the, the great thing is original sin two is in such a, a, a well-polished state. I mean, there's, there's still plenty of stuff to fix and work out and whatnot, but yeah. you know, the first, the first act of the game is essentially all there, um, for people that want to play. And, you know, of course it'll change a lot, but, uh, I, am really proud of it because I think about what, uh, early access was for original sin one and how much better, original sin two is and and it was really exciting because when when we debuted we were number one on steam as a global sell the number one global seller for several days wow and that's always really fun ultimately we were overshadowed um i forget uh i think the bioshock collection then rose to the top like bioshock hd and then i think uh rocket league eventually moved up above us and then i stopped looking every moment there, there, are, there are worse <laughs> games to lose out to like this that's terrible. exactly right yeah and especially because we're you know we're early access i think that's really exciting and you know we also saw an uptick in sales of of our other games like original sin one and sadly divinity 2 not to be confused with divinity original sin 2 divinity 2 <laughs> uh also rose sharply and I feel kind of bad because I think some of those people might think that they were buying original Sin 2. I see. I haven't come across Divinity 2 or Divinity yeah. 1 for that matter. Yeah. I mean, it, now that, I mean, that game became great okay. after, you know, after it was iterated. When it first came out, it wasn't great. 
So did you play the uh, original Divinity Original Sin? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I reviewed it for GameSpot, I actually. Say, I was going to ask, that was my next question, was did you review it? <laughs> I did, and it was my game of the year that year. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, um, and it's funny because their first big game um, was Divine Divinity. Okay. And which is a crazy name for a video game, yes, but uh, I I played that way back in the day. I remember the day I bought that game at an EB Games in a mall, uh, and it was incredible. It was it was the game I wanted that Diablo was not. I guess okay. Um, it's sort of a, like it sort of found split the difference between something like Baldur's Gate and something like Diablo. Okay. Um, and so that was really neat and you can buy it on steam, go and get it on steam, have a blast. Um, just make sure to use software visual mode, um, (laughs) because it, you know, playing it on a modern computer can do weird things, Yeah. but, uh, or you can get it on, on GOG as well. Um, but it's, it's still a fantastic game and that's one of the things I love about it. And you can see the genesis of what we're doing now in that game. And uh, I think it's just, I, I, I started replaying it again recently, and it's just like, oh, God, this is still good. See, it's you know? really good if you can go back to a game, you know, two or three games <laughs> in, into a series and still enjoy, you know, the first and second ones. Yeah, totally, right? I mean, it depends on how much of a graphics, you know, person you are. You know, sometimes it can be hard to go back to an older game. Um, but I think that the visuals just look really nice in that, you know, that pixelated kind of way you know the kind of a lot of top-down games looked like that um certainly better than you know than the original Baldur's gate and icewind dale and whatnot look um so i'd love to it would be really great to see like an hd remake of that but uh i guess i'll have to tell uh to tell sven that i i want us to make a remake of divine divinity um but of course now our combat system is completely different you know original sin has turn-based combat and and uh it's phenomenal, I think. And I can say that because I don't work on combat. <laughs> so <laughs> so you do the, uh, do you just do all the story for it, the writing for it? Because your previous one, weren't you localizing from a Korean game, your previous? <laughs> yeah. When, when I first started at Trine World, so this was the first job I had after living GameSpot. It was, it was time. I knew it was time that I wanted to do something new and, you know, that, that was as part of the localization team. And that was a lot of fun. <clears throat> but I also got lucky because, I mean, that was a contract job. I was like, okay, th- you know, that was three months worth of work. And, and you know, it's, it's done more or less. And, uh, you know, it was really a lot of fun because when you localize a game like that, you, you can't just straight up, you know, kind of like translate everything and that's that. Um, because most, you know, games wouldn't make any sense. No. Uh, for a lot of reasons, the difference in language, the difference in culture. And so it, like half the lines are basically just like rewriting everything, which is, which is really cool. But then I got really lucky because I was able to transition over to the the team working on Atlas reactor as a, as a designer on that team. And that was phenomenal for me. I mean, it was also rough because I didn't have the kind of experience a lot of the other people did, but uh, you know, the guy that was, you know, the guy that, that brought me over for that team was also um, a designer on Rift, um, okay. which is their, you know, their, their, their biggest MMO to date. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he really, he, he knew my work. I had reviewed Rift. 
Um, they, you know, they, they knew that I was capable of doing this. And so they took a chance on me. It was really great. I got to contribute a lot to Alice reactor and I was so proud of that. Um, I designed the second map that was released for that game. So that was really cool actually. Nice. Um, so I was really excited cause we were, cause we had the first map, um, and that was in the, that was in alpha and, uh, you know, several of us made prototype maps and then mine was chosen and then it went to art. And the thing is, then I left Tryon. There was a hiring freeze at Tryon and that meant that no new people could be hired and it also meant that anybody that was on contract couldn't be re reinstated okay. after the contract was up. And so my contract was up. So sadly, I had to go, which was really sad. <laughs> um, but what was the saddest part of that for me was that uh, I had never gotten to see my map with full art in it until I'd left and I got to see it and play it for myself after I was gone, um, which was kind of sad for me because I just loved making that and uh, loved being part of that team. But how did it feel playing something that you'd made? Weird. Yeah. you know, it was different with Davillion because you sort of recognize your words. And, you know, it's, I'd spent all those years writing for a living. So it's different. But then the first time you see something that you contribute as part of a team and it's something as big as a map design. Yeah. Um, that's kind of cool. But you, you, you don't know how it's going to go because there's, there's no, you know, you're just using placeholder art. Yeah. For example. So you don't know what the overall vibe is going to turn out to be and whether it's going to look good. And you know that it plays well. Yeah. But then when you see this full thing come together, it's sort of like, I don't know, it's sort of like, you know, because, for example, I majored in, you know, I double majored in violin and composition in college. And so it's sort of like when you write a composition, but then you hear it performed for the first time. Yeah. It's suddenly very exciting and new and it's hard to contain yourself. Um. And it was sort of the same thing for me here. It's like, oh my God, I did that thing. I'm so, I'm so excited to see it play out and I can't wait to hear what people say about it. And then sometimes you have to not hear that because it'll crush you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, like, like all the feedback was really good and uh, you know, people love the map and it was really great to see. And then a big, the team just released last week a big trailer for Alice Reactor okay. um, to celebrate the, the closed beta the game going to close beta and it's just phenomenal. So if you go to YouTube and search for Atlas reactor trailer, the new one is just, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's just so full of personality, just like the game. I love, I love that. And it's kind of neat then going on to original sin too, because like, I, I feel like I went from one game with a ton of personality to another game with a ton of personality. Yeah. So, and that's kind of nice. And I did, I did a bunch of writing for Atlas reactor but that wasn't really the main thing that I was doing. But, uh, you know, now I'm part of a, a team of, of like seven people writing for original sin too. So that's, so that's kind of really neat because basically I'm, I'm kind of the low man on the totem pole now. Um, and I expected that that's, I knew I was, Hey, I was changing careers. Yeah. You know, this is what's going to happen. You got to work your way up again or, but it, it doesn't feel like I'm at the bottom of anything. I'm just, I'm just so excited to be able to do this. Nice. And I get to, I get to go into work and do things like write dialogue for dwarves. <laughs> like is, does anybody think that that would be a bad way to spend their time? I don't think so. No, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, I've met some 
some weird and interesting and some colourful people in my time. I've never ever talked to somebody until now that said that. That's you know that can't be bad. No, not at all. I mean, I write uh, pigs on fire that talk. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do for a living. Like, if you play Original Sin two and talk to the pigs on fire, <laughs> um, they're speaking my words. So, and I, you know, it was also fun because I wrote a, I wrote one of the major characters um, in Original Sin two. Not one of the major player characters, but one of the major NPCs is named Gareth, and I wrote Gareth. And that that's kind of cool, you know? And so, you know, it's just kind of neat. I, I wrote puddles that talk to you. And I can't even explain that except just to say there are puddles that talk to you, and I wrote the puddles <laughs> that talk to you. And so stuff like that is, is like, uh, really neat because then I get to, you know, in the past I could say, oh, I write about video games for a living. But now it, it sounds even more exciting when I say, oh, I t- – I, I make dwarves that swear at you. See, see, that sounds awesome. <laughs> and it's, it's great because our dwarves in some ways are like our races are pretty atypical from the, the races as they're usually presented in fantasy RPGs. Like our, our elves are cool. Um, and in some ways they're like traditional fantasy elves, but our elves also are uh, cannibals. Okay. So our elves actually eat, uh, people meet so yeah so they so like our, real charmers they actually they can be but uh, <laughs> our dwarves can be different um and i can't wait uh to reveal more about how interesting some of our dwarves can be but that'll come <laughs> later but uh one thing that our dwarves do have in common with a lot of other fantasy dwarves is that they do have that scottish thing going Okay, yeah. Um, and so part of my job has been doing things like uh, learning Scottish vernacular. There's a lot of swearing in that. And and we have to be careful because <clears throat> Divinity Original Sin 1 was a much more lighthearted game than Original Sin 2. And we're trying to be very careful about not getting to wink, wink, nudge, nudge, dirty, dirty yeah. kind of thing with Original Sin 2. So I've had to, I've I've discovered some really cool Scottish euphemisms over time, and it's amazing how much I can get away with because they say things that I think most people playing wouldn't even really quite understand. Yeah, they would get the idea that it's not a good thing to be. <laughs> but uh, so I can say, like, there's certainly I think I used uh, so like ball bag. Is something yeah. that you might hear. <laughs> That's but amazing. I, but in writing, <laughs> since it's written, since I would write it phonetically, yeah, you know, somebody in America wouldn't quite understand. I don't think that that's just a, a ball bag <laughs> that you're talking about a scrotum when you say ball bag. So it's, yeah. you know, something like that. Like sometimes it's easy to kind of like slip that under the radar. Yeah. But again, I have to be careful because we're, we're trying very hard not to get, like when, you know, as we we started writing original sin two, like a lot of it, like there there was probably a little too much, uh, a little too few too many dick jokes, for example. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're trying to avoid that kind of thing because it can just quickly be, uh, you guys got to be kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, we're trying very hard within the context, and it's really hard to do this, but you want people to sound like this is how they actually talk. You know, you don't, you know, like it's, 
so for example, if you pay, play Skyrim or a lot of RPGs, when people talk to you, they're not talking to you the way people talk. And I don't mean that they have to talk to you like people on the street would talk to you, but you have to believe that they this person would talk to you like yeah, no, this. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. But it's hard. Sometimes it's hard in playing something that's really high fantasy when you can say things like, so what's the history of the town? And everybody knows 16 things about the history of the town. I lived in San Francisco for nine years. I can't tell you a damn thing about the history of San Francisco. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like if I were to come to you and say, so what is everybody talking about? You'd be like, what the shit are you saying? Why are you asking me this? I don't know. I'm just here to have a beer. I'm not like walking from different tables saying, Hey, what's, what's the, what's the news around here? So if some strange adventurer comes up to me, I can clue them in, (laughs) you know, it's so, I mean, obviously you have to get information across in an RPG, but we really are trying very hard to have people speak like people rather than to speak like exposition machines or or machines. Yeah, I see what you mean. So it, but that's actually harder to do than I think people realize because a lot of times, because you, you want to be quick about it. We we're trying very hard not to get not, you know, especially when so many people talk to you in an area, you don't want everybody to have a million lines of dialogue of lore. No, you know, you, you want them to speak the way people actually talk, you know, and, and we, but we have to get information across in that. And so you, it's really hard to, you know, to kind of split that difference between making sure they're speaking like people speak, but also making sure that they're getting the the information across that has to be gotten across. And Holy shit. Is that really hard? It's a very, very thin line to balance along, isn't it? Yeah. Especially because, I mean, there's a bigger part of that, which is that, you know, we make a game where you can kill everybody. You know, you make a game where literally there is no NPC that is off limits except for children. You know, you can kill anybody in the game and still finish it. That's the important part. And so we have to realize that there comes a point where we can build a fantastic world, but some people just aren't going to care. And they're just going to... So there comes that point where you have to realize as a writer that depending on what the player does, they can break something in terms of the story. And it's like, well, I have to be good with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these, some people may never read the story wow. and they'll just kill everybody so that they can see the end of the game. <laughs> Gee, you see that for me, I'd be sitting there going, why am I wasting my time? If, it, if people are just going to do that, I'd, you know, I just I go, oh no! I'd, oh, but that's it would destroy that's a, me. There is a total. There is a game designer conundrum in all of the in all of games making um, about all the stuff that you just throw out. Yeah, stuff that people will never see for two reasons. Number one is because we put it in the game and it didn't work, and we threw it out before it was ever released. And number two, the stuff that makes it into the game and play and a lot of players don't see because they just never go there. Um, but that's that's RPG making right there in a nutshell. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff people are that certain players are never going to see, and other players will. Um, the hard one of the hardest things, for example, is that when you make a game that has so much, so many decisions, we have to write. You know, a lot of times we have to write like upwards of ten or more different 
permutations of the same dialogue depending on what's happened before that moment. Okay, yeah. And so you have to do, you know, what you would call a fringe case. You have to, you know, for the 2% of people that see this conversation, this conversation won't make sense if you did this thing over here. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're constantly having, like 50% of the people, when they see this particular dialogue, will see this one permutation. But then we have to have the nine others <laughs> for the other 50% that will have little differences in how they've gotten to that point. Yeah. And so that's also a lot of game design is, is just, you know, you have to write around and design around all these fringe cases when you have a game that gives so much freedom to the player. Yeah. Then there's, and then there's just the other thing that happens when you write something, which, which we call murdering your babies. Okay. Um, and murdering, yeah. Murdering your babies just means sometimes you do something that you think is really good and you have to, you have to annihilate it. Yeah, so so that happens a lot in game design, and, and you sort of have to get used to that quickly. And that can actually be very hard because you put like a lot of – you put time and energy and work hours and your soul yeah. into, into creating something. And then the next day it's like, oh, by the way um, – Yeah, that's, that's that, just gone. That pond with the crocodile that you took – that you spent 10 hours writing – that pond's not there anymore, and now there's a scorpion. <laughs> or that didn't actually happen, but I'm giving you an idea yeah, of, yeah, I, of I the kind of thing that, that you have to get used to. So, so, it's, so it's a little bit different. Like you, you have to kind of let go of your – I mean you still have to create things you're proud of, but you sort of have to let go of your emotional investment in certain aspects of what yeah. you do um, in the name of making the best game you can. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd have it in me. <laughs> oh, I, 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 admit. I uh, didn't think I'd have it in me, but you you learn quickly. Like in, like we're all working together. Like like designers design in service of the writers, and the writers write in service of the designers, and we have a really good system the way it's set up at at Larian. So yeah. I'm I'm really proud of the way that. Uh, it's not all separate. It's, it's very much a collaboration and then it gets all passed through the, the proper eyes to say whether or not something is good. Okay. And it's not just about that individual thing being good, but about it being good in its context. And the thing that I really love is that everybody in the studio plays the game every day. Wow. Okay. So we all know the, the, the context of what we're doing. It's not yeah. just, a little thing in the end, people are always, you know, always going to play the game, but a lot of times you get stuck in your own world and you're only focusing on the one thing that you're doing. And it's, it's going to happen to everybody that makes games is, is that sometimes you get, you feel very isolated from what the the final product is going to be. But uh, we're lucky again, because we have a small enough team that we can we can really put everything into context, but we have a large enough team where we can actually make something that has quite a bit of ambition and scope and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. think we we hit this just this great uh, sweet spot in in games making where uh, we can make something that's ambitious and really fun and really well written. Um, but we can also put it into context and we can also collaborate 
really easily because we're all just sitting there in the same office or, you know, somebody that's in one of the other offices. Cause we have offices in, uh, in Dublin and in Quebec and, you know, I can just pick up, I can just get on Skype and talk with a scripter yeah. to, to get things done. And so stuff like that is really, really great. I just, it just makes it really easy and we all get along so well. It, 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 it makes for a better game when it finally comes out then, doesn't it? If you know, if you can, if you can all get on that well and if you can all work that well together, it makes for a better experience when it comes to when it, you know, when it lands on my laptop or on my PC. Yeah. And, and I hope that everybody loves original sin too. I'm really proud of what it is so far. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm just a tiny, tiny little part of it. Um, but it feels good to be a part of it, especially I'm really lucky because I've gotten to work on things that I really like, you know, yeah. like right now I'm also part of an, an indie team that's making a, a platformer called earth Knight okay. that'll come out hopefully next year. But that's fun too, because so I'm a level designer for that game. And, and, that game is super good. So it just feels really good, you know, to be part of something that you're really proud of. And I just feel like I've, I've hit on some really good projects in a row that it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm, I'm helping to make this because this game is really good. <laughs> you know, I, like I feel the same yeah. way about Atlas reactor too. And it's, it's just like, wow, I can't believe I, I was part of this team because this is just awesome. It's been really cool talking to you. And I I really, really appreciate your time tonight. Mate. Yeah, anytime. Shoot me a message if ever you need anything. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I will keep an eye on the games. And once, uh, once Original Sin 2 comes out fully, I might uh, I might steal some more of your time so we can talk about it. Yeah, and also, you know, spend some money on it. Absolutely. Without more for that. So, yeah, that was, that was very nice of Kevin, actually, to to spend a bit of time talking to me and threaten to get hold of him when his game comes out because I have, I'll admit, I, I went hunting for a couple of the games that he mentioned while we were talking and, and loaded them into my Steam library. I haven't had time to play them yet, but I'll definitely <laughs> give them a go. Mainly because it seems rude not to, to say I've not played that and then him tell me all about it and then me not go and play it. But at the same time, I kind of uh, I kind of fancied giving it a go. So yeah, so we, we stuck out questions on Facebook and Twitter and things before we recorded. More really so we can have a you know a back and forth, a couple of questions and you know, just in case this does go on more than just this one episode, people maybe get to know us a little bit. So I'll tell you what, before we, we go to questions, before we because we did get a couple of decent ones actually, which, which was interesting. I don't believe you. No, I didn't believe it myself to be fair, considering some of the people that sent questions in, you know who you are, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> so an obvious question and it's you know, it is a sucky question as well because my answer changes once a week. What's your favourite game? What favourite oh, favourite couple of games? Uh, could, can you answer that one first? Because <laughs> it's going to take me an hour to just think of the the name of any game that I like more than any other game. Okay, so well, well, my answers then are, are really really easy. As a series, and a lot of people will disagree with me on this one, but as a series, Killzone, I fucking adore Killzone as a shooter the first one was a bit ropey not particularly good uh, but 2 and onwards and I know a lot of people shout on on Shadowfall and even the Vita one I adore I spent literally thousands of hours playing those games and grabbed platinums for every single one of them and anyone that's played Killzone 2 knows just how fucking difficult it is to platinum that what with the multiplayer challenges you have to do some of those things are absolutely insane, but it's, it's actually my proudest platinum from my, my trophy hunting days. So yeah, Killzone as a franchise, and as much as you'll want to spit at me for saying it, Dishonored. I fucking adore Dishonored. I must have played it through four times. 
on the previous generation. Then I bought the definitive edition. I must have played that through three times as well. And I have several pre-orders in several different places for the second one, dependent on what I fan- what plastic tat I fancy having with it when the game actually finally comes out. Wow, that was that was definitely something. <laughs> Jesus, I'd go series, Mass Effect, hands down. It's the only game series that I can say that I've put more time into than anything else I've ever played. I probably have got more gaming hours playing the Mass Effect trilogy than I have watching any TV show that I've done before. The the game series very quickly became my life playing them. I couldn't wait for the second one to come out. I couldn't wait for the third one to come out. And at this point in time, I'm just hoping that Andromeda, when it comes around, isn't terrible because it's got all of the possibilities of being not as good as the previous ones. (laughs) You know my my feeling on Mass Effect. I I did play and enjoyed the first one, actually, and through my own stupid fault, got frustrated and bored of number two, and I never went back to it. Yeah. I still genuinely hope that EA make them backwards compatible or HD remasters or something. I don't want them for free. I'll pay for them, and I'll play them, and I don't want to give them a chance because I always said I'd, I'd try number one, and I really enjoyed number one. I just think I probably jumped into two a bit too quickly after playing the first. I guess I had the advantage in that the one was released three, four years before the second one was. Yeah. And the difference between one and two is just ridiculous in terms of the combat's completely different. They've overhauled the, everything, the RPG element. It, the, the differences were astounding, and that's why I don't think the HD remasters or the will, would work for them, because you can't remake the first one to be more like the second one or the third one because that makes you think people think that the the first one just wasn't as good when it's not the case and then you can't make the second and third one be more like the first because then you're going well we went wrong here so now we're gonna have to you know hold back on the rest but what about uh you know digital only backwards compatible because obviously i mean they're all out on ea access on pc Origin Access, I think it's called, on PC. So they're all out there yeah. for free. So what about just, you know, flick the switch and make them backwards compatible? Just play them as they were meant to be played? Probably more difficult than, I guess. Uh, the thing is, is that with 2 and 3, is that on Xbox, they came out on two discs, which is probably coded in somewhere. Yeah. That means that when you put it on backwards compatible, because of the way that the backwards compatible runs, is that they're digital titles, essentially, which means that you wouldn't get the change disc option. But the first one's available on backwards compatible because it was only on one disc. I think it's available on EA Access again, so it's free right now for anyone who wants to play it who hasn't played it. They can play one of my favourite games of all time. So go on then, favourite game that's not in Mass Effect? Oh, tough one. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. And I'm going to kick myself when I say it. Destiny. That's all right. Everybody was addicted to that game for months and months and months. And I, I listened to a couple of other uh, video game podcasts. They, they're, you know, the regular contributors go, oh, yeah, I went back onto Destiny again and I didn't get off of it for a week and a half. Listen, like, you know, it's, the game's built like that. So it's okay to, to like Destiny. For me, it's, it was the social element. I really enjoyed the fact that I could go into an area where there was a load of people. I could walk up and I could ping a message at them and say, want to do X mission or strike or raid. And then you'd get the response back of, 
awesome, give me five seconds. They would go change their character to a different one, bust them out, and then you just go plow through the raid together, have a lot of fun. I mean, I go through my friends list. There's like 60 people on there. I play regularly with about four of them. The rest are just people I play Destiny with. And I would definitely say I'm one of the people who, with the new DLC that came around, I decided to fire up Destiny earlier on this week after I got back from EGX because of the the new DLC that came out, which up to the level cap, I fired it up. I was going to go, I'll check out, see what the stuff is, find out a few of the new tricks, some of the things, fire a couple of shots around, you know, to have some fun. About four hours later, I realized I probably should be playing something else. You know, I still haven't finished ASX at this point. I'm very much the same. While we were talking the other day, actually, I, I booted up SSX on backwards compatibility. And next thing I know, I'm kicking myself because I've just wasted like five hours of Deus Ex time. <laughs> Whoops. So I've, I've since deleted SSX until I've finished Deus Ex. I think you should just go through and delete all, everything off of your list. You've got Fiber Broadband. You can download it again later. Yeah, this is true. So, you know, you just delete everything off your library except for Deus Ex. And get your wife to hide all of your games on disk if you've got any. Yeah. You know, feed one to the dog or something. Oh, don't. You feed it to the dogs all well and good, but you've got to clean it up afterwards. <laughs> No, no that's, that's what the outside's for. Oh, yeah, actually, it'd be good because her shit will be all shiny. I could find it in the dark. Yeah, exactly. I think I want something here. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, questions, 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 questions. We did get a couple. We got some fucking stupid ones. We got one from uh, our buddy Jack at Technologic. He's, he's occasionally popped up on the Foul Critics podcast as well when, when we've asked questions online for that. His Your stalker. One, yeah, my stalker. We, uh, <laughs> we, we actually we got together playing the beta for Killzone Mercenary, which was the Vita iteration. And we just kind of, I think we were just kind of Twitter buddies, and we both ended up in this beta, and we've just played so much shit together since. But he's a cool guy, is Jack. I like him a lot. Uh, his question, or one of his questions was, how many worms does it take to change a light bulb? I have a feeling there's a punchline to that somewhere. So, and rather than Google it and find out an answer, I'm going to say that it depends on the bulb. Fair enough. If you've got a halogen bulb, they're probably going to fry. Yeah. Um, I'll say none, because one of them kamikaze that another bulb doesn't exist. <laughs> Seems like a sensible answer to me. But his actual question, yeah. his actual good question here. So he said, if you could cross any any games together, can include any number of games, what would it be and why? So his example is... Grand Theft Auto with Harvest Moon and Digimon. Does Digimon count as a game? I don't know, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say not GTA and Harvest Moon and Digimon. I think I would cross FIFA with Vigilante 8, and essentially that makes uh, Rocket League. I tell you what, let's, I'll, I'll go. I'll go a little bit, a little bit out there. I'd like uh, like the horror elements and the really good horror elements, say from Dead Space because I really enjoyed Dead Space. Uh, the, literally, the first one scared the crap out of me. But let's say that one meets, say, something like GTA. So open-world missions, but horror all the way through. Love me some horror. Open-world horror game. Hmm. Yeah, I could get along with that, I think. Yeah. But then then we turn to Facebook, mate, where, where we were inundated with not necessarily good questions. Well, if you know enough about the guy asking them. Again, this is our, you know, our mate Lee. Why do people point to their wrist when asking for the time, but people don't point to their crotch when they ask where the bathroom is? Do people not do that? No. I will tell you I'm... why. Because I wear a watch on my wrist, so it's quite easy to go, you point to the watch and go, it's a universal symbol for 
That's the time. I do not wear a bog strapped to my car. <laughs> I suppose if you are pointing to your crotch, it's opening up more questions than answers in terms of what it is you're asking for. It really does, especially if it's in the middle of the street. So, I mean, let's look at this. So there's kind of like a, there's two or three questions that kind of all roll into one. So there's there's Lee and there's uh, Nate Wilcox. Good mate of mine. Yeah? Yeah. So we start off with 4K gaming opinions. So what's, what's your opinion on 4K gaming? Is it a technology lost to gaming consoles? It arrived at a very dodgy time right after the release of this gen of consoles. Both Microsoft and Sony have released revised versions with different ideas in mind. Xbox went for 4K Blu-ray and not gaming, whereas Sony opted for 4K gaming and not Blu-ray. Sony have also said that 90% of PS4 games released will just get upscaled and not true 4K. Is it worth them even bothering? Uh, and you can kind of, and we add on to that tech questions from from Lee with what happened to 3D games and Connect and what about VR. Let's start with the 4K gaming opinions. Uh, I think that 4K is probably going to be the next step. I'm not sure he's got it right with the way the, the consoles have rolled out because Xbox has released the Xbox One S, which is a slight iteration to the Xbox One. It's basically the PS4 Slim. So the Xbox One S, which is an ever so slight upgrade, but it is, for all intents and purposes, the Xbox Slim. Yeah, and this, it's capable of 4K Blu-ray as far as I'm aware. And they, uh, I and think it's, put, it's the cheapest 4K Blu-ray out Well, this is it, and they put a 4K Blu-ray player in it. It's got the HDMI in the back to make it 4K playable, but the games won't play 4K. No. But the PS4 Isn't Pro will play the digital games in 4K, but it doesn't have a 4K Blu-ray player, if I've got that right. Yeah. But the difference there is the Xbox One S is not comparable to the PS4 Pro. The PS4 Pro, even though it's going to be out literally a year earlier... The PS4 Pro, you need to be comparing to Scorpio, which, unless Microsoft go full retard, will absolutely be 4K Blu-ray and 4K gaming. It'll be 4K Blu-ray, 4K gaming. It'll have like a 4 terabyte hard drive in it, probably an SSD or a hybrid drive. And I still think that 4K gaming is going to be the future. I mean, at the moment, yes, 4K is very expensive. 4K is expensive and there hasn't been the uptake for it for regular folk. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're, we're not talking people like you and me who play games or like me and, and the Foul Critics guys who watch films, you know, watch a lot of... Because net, all, all the Netflix film stuff is filmed in 4K now, you know, so it's worth spending the money if you do stuff like that. But my old man doesn't know what 4K is, let alone cares what 4K is. I'm actually quite excited for the Scorpio, and it, it does look like... Cause I know Microsoft more or less snubbed EGX, didn't they? Didn't turn up with any of their stuff. No. They've basically given up with this gen and are are concentrating solely on the Scorpio. But the Scorpio does seem like it's going to be a a big winner. The the fact is is that I will probably go out and have it on day one. Yeah. I might even consider taking a day off work and and doing a midnight launch. It's just so I have it as early as possible, set it up and be away. I'm too fucking lazy for that. Amazon delivery. (laughs) That could work, yeah. but you, you, you're always stuck with the fact that it might arrive at like 7 in the afternoon. This is true, but if I've got the day for work, it doesn't matter. True. So so moving on then to the, uh, what happened to 3D gaming and Connect? Was there 3D gaming? I, I know that you could play like two games on the PS3 with uh, 3D glasses, but the, the really crappy yeah, there were... green and yellow ones. No, there were a few. Uh, the... So Killzone 3 was built for 3D, I believe... The ICO collection was in 3D. There were two or three. I just don't think, I don't think it took off. I don't think there was a big 
uptake in 3D TVs being bought for people that were playing video games? 3D didn't take off as a whole. I mean, yes, you still get your 3D Iron Man films coming out every four weeks, but I, it's not... I do do not, a pretty good job of avoiding most things 3D at the cinema, and it is because I think the days of the 3D exclusive are gone. But now that 3D's just these bleak blockbuster Marvel films, I couldn't tell you a 3D film that's not a Marvel film that's come out in, in the last 18 months. But I think the last 3D film I saw that wasn't one of those was either Resident Evil or The Three Musketeers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Both good films, though. No, Three Musketeers was fun. It was a junk food film. I quite liked it. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the Resident Evil flicks. Uh, yeah. And of course, and then, you know, the last part of it is, is VR going to go the same way? Did you get to play any VR at EGX? I did play a bit of VR at EGX. I got to play a lovely little game called uh, Battlezone, which is a spiritual successor to... Uh, a classic uh, vector-based shooting game, yeah. which in VR wasn't even remotely disorientating, which I've I've played with VR stuff before, and taking the headset off was always the, the worst part about VR because you do end up not knowing what's going on around you because that's how VR feels. Everything is inside your own mind. It's it's really difficult to explain to, yeah. to someone who's never who's never touched VR. It's not like the old school. It came with your with your NES. You had a, a a TV screen in front of your eyes while you played Duck Hunt or whatever it was yeah. back in the day. It's a whole new experience. It's more than just a TV screen in front of your eyes. And I don't think that half of the VR stuff that's coming out that's essentially your phone inside the, a pair of sunglasses. We're talking about like the Gear VR type thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that I don't think there's going to be a market for that beyond sitting on the toilet having a shit while you are using your VR headset to pretend you're on the mountains. Wow. Do you get to pretend you're on the mountain having a shit? You can. It's absolutely available to you in the the, the VR stuff that uses your phone screen. Well, you know, if I, if I wasn't sold before, now I absolutely must get a Samsung phone. It's absolutely something you can do with your life. <laughs> or, again... Um, Blu-ray was accepted, adopted by the porn industry. VR seems to have a bit of a porn following. Apparently, it's the new breed of porn is is VR stuff, which I'm assuming is a good thing. Yeah, well, I don't have a VR headset to test it myself. I'd be loath to admit that at some point I will probably have to try it. I I have read you know, Naughty America, who are one of the biggest uh, makers and distributors of porn as a whole. They have really kind of taken up on the the VR porn thing. I've seen a couple of interviews with them, with uh, you know, with quite well-known journalists as well. You know, this is weird. You know. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> where the where the porn goes, sadly, a rather large portion of the gamers go as well. The the things that people love the most is porn, Doritos, and Mountain Dew. Absolutely. So, <laughs> if you get at least two of those things, you're guaranteed to get a large amount of money. Absolutely. So yeah, I quite fancy VR. I, I do need to try it. I'm not convinced yet. I do think PlayStation, I mean, the, the PC-based stuff I think is going to be okay. Will always be okay, because it's always going to have this steady stream of, of indie developers that will make for it. You know, there's, there's no two ways about that. And they'll be good, they'll be bad, they'll be average stuff, but there will always be something on it. My biggest fear is PlayStation VR, especially considering how much it fucking costs, is that three hundred and forty-nine quid for the goddamn thing? And you don't even get a console with that. No, and my... you have to go out and buy a, a PS4. Yep, 
my, Pro. my biggest worry with that is look how Sony have supported the Vita, the Move, <laughs> you know, the Eye, all of their stuff. It just they forget about it in a year. While I would hope they don't do that with VR, if they did, I mean that's a lot of fucking money that people have wasted just to have this uh, shiny helmet sat in their living room. You had to go go there with helmet, didn't you? I had to go shiny helmet. Yeah. There was no choice about it. But the difference with VR is that I uh, compared to some of the other stuff you mentioned, there isn't much of a difference. There's a fortune that people spent, including myself, on getting a Vita when they first came out, yeah. for them to drop them in price by like 50 to 70 percent within the first seven months yep. to have like no support whatsoever beyond that i mean the, they released games for what a year yeah before companies stopped putting porting games because for a lot of them they were annual release games that were getting releases to it that were about three or four iterations old yeah the, the fifa game that came out on it was supposed to be i think what was it 13 yeah. But it was like playing Eleven because it was old enough to play like that and it just felt clunky. And with the Vita, again, there was the whole, you can use it to control your PlayStation 4. And for all of the seven people who owned both consoles. I think I'd done that twice. Yeah. <laughs> versus what Microsoft which has done, which is with Windows 10. And you've got your whole, you can play anywhere, yeah. I think is whatever they call it now. I can't remember. They, so, they gave it a snazzy new name at uh, e, uh, E3, didn't they? Yeah, and Forza Horizon 3 is the the, the first game to have that, I think. It's probably... Forza Horizon 3, I didn't realise, is a cross-system multiplayer as well. Yeah, it's seamless cross-system multiplayer. It's designed basically for the fact that you're going to be playing it with people on their Xbox. You're going to be playing it against people on their PC. And you're going to be playing it against people who are playing the Xbox version on their PC. Yeah. That's just whole new worlds of possibilities. It's insane that this is what the kind of world that will... What people have wanted since day one of consoles of playing online is the ability to play against people playing on different systems. Yeah. This is the closest we've got to it, and it's just Microsoft doing it. And to be fair, it's still a closed system, though, isn't it? It's Xbox. You can only do it on, on uh, using the Xbox app. You have to have yeah. an Xbox Live connection of some form or another to make it work. It's still there. It's still Microsoft's closed system i think we're still quite a long way off you know me and you playing together across playstation and xbox if it ever happens (laughs) i'll tell you what then so your last the last question is is from another one of my favorite people in the world he's uh a regular on foul critics and he he runs the the or he's on with uh comedian james mullinger he's on uh underground nights doing their interviews and doing their podcast is one of the Foul Critics or The Foul Critics sister podcast and you know the only one until someone says we can do this one once <laughs> um, so yeah Paul uh, at Pafster on Twitter has a how many bomb jack levels can you clear before losing a life and what's your hammer record on track and field um, I'm not old enough to have played <laughs> uh, track and field as far as I'm aware uh, and I'll be honest I've never heard of bomb jack so uh, I'm going to have to look that up Bomb Jack was uh, guff. I stopped, <laughs> I stopped playing Bomb Jack around about the time they took the arcade machine of it away from the uh, the local swimming pools back when I lived in Thamesmead. <laughs> I don't know how many levels I can do. I would say probably not a lot because it was frustratingly difficult and a massive bag of wank. Now, for track and field, 
uh, track and field. I think the last track and field game I played was on the PS One. Uh, and if I remember rightly, and there's absolutely going to be somebody who hopefully listens to this and corrects me, but I'm pretty sure to qualify for the next part of, well, to qualify for the second round of Hammer Throne, you had to get at least 60 meters, I think. So I, I definitely got, I definitely remember qualifying. It couldn't have been more than 65 though, because pretty sure the record was like in the game was like 90 and there was no way I ever done that. So I just looked into it. Uh, Track and Field and Bomb Jack are 1983 and 84, respectively. Wow. Uh, I wasn't even close to being a twinkle in my dad's eye at that point. <laughs> uh, Paul? So I'm, I'm not even convinced my parents had met at that point. <laughs> Paul, I love you. You are the most retro person I know. Thank you for the really current and really, really relevant question. Always, always appreciated. Fuck. <laughs> so I think that leaves us, mate, more or less done. So sticking with the foul critic style of podcast, I think it leaves us to to do a bit of a recommendation for the end. So I reckon, because obviously you can't recommend a Netflix film for <laughs> video gamers. So I reckon what we do, if you know, when we do this, we uh, we stick to that month's, you know, the selection from the free games that are available for people with subs. You know, games with gold and PS Plus. Did we include EA Access? Because I suppose they also count as being free because they are... Yeah, yeah. That sounds good to me. If something's rolled in free on EA Access, now wrong with that. Crack on. What, what you got? I'm going to go with uh, what is soon to no longer be part of Games with Gold, WWE 2K16. It's probably the most fun wrestling game that they've released since maybe 2006's SmackDown vs. Raw. I can't sing its praises enough in terms of playing it. It's very, very fun. The only downside it has is that it's running off of pretty rubbish uh, online system for it, which in itself is is its own problem. But when you're playing online multiplayer in a private match, maybe you don't want to have ridiculous amounts of lag. No. Otherwise, it's a very fun game to to hit. Sounds good. I, I think I added that to my list when it went free, so I might give that a bash. For me, on I believe on PlayStation Plus this month for free is uh, for PS4 is uh, that game company's Journey. Now, for those that haven't played Journey, it's one of those really cool little indie games that everybody seems to love, but at the same time, everybody hates because it's not a real game. The people that hate it are wrong. It's amazing. It's an excellent little game. You'll bang through it in a couple of hours. You can't not love that game by the time we get to the end of it I can't recommend it enough so uh, I think that leaves them mate just for us to say goodbye to say hopefully if we come back in a couple of weeks we're going to be chatting racing games I'll back yeah <laughs> so yeah racing games just in general I think I could I could cover all racing games ever with that yeah sounds good to me maybe in a triple bill format certainly to be determined we'll see how it goes uh, mainly it's just an excuse for me to pick up Forza Forza Horizon 3 because it looks really cool. So until then my friend, where can people find you if uh, they want to follow you and have a listen and have a look into your mind between podcasts? I don't think people want to look what's in my mind. (laughs) Uh, You can find me at Twitter um, at thejohn underscore cu, went all professional with the whole character unlock thing. Good man. Uh, Or if you want to see me on Xbox Live, it's Long Dong Silver 
the silver spelt with uh, S Y L V A R. Sadly, uh, silver as it's normally spelt was already taken by someone who's much more original than I. <laughs> cool. Uh, I am, you know, you you can find me usually writing and podcasting with our critics. I am on Twitter at Brooker Four One One. You can find us as a whole for the uh, for the Character Unlock podcast. We are at Character Unlock on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash character unlock on facebook where you know hopefully if this all takes off and it all all goes well hopefully things stay good and active here's you know fingers crossed let us know you know if you find us on twitter you you got suggestions or you like something didn't like something want to see more of or less of something let us know and we can try and do it better next time but until then thank you very much for listening Character Unlock was presented by Andrew Brooker and John Miller, with music provided with permission from Miracle of Sound from the track A Dog's Life. Character Unlock is recorded for Failed Critics and is a part of the Failed Media Network of Podcasts, along with Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights and the Failed Critics Film Podcast. And you can check us out at failedcritics.com or find us on Twitter at Character Unlock. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.